What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today is Easter Sunday. It is a time of celebration with family, food, and maybe some time relaxing. It is a unique day as we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was once dead, crucified on a cross, but somehow, today, he is alive. If you've been journeying with us throughout Lent, you know we've been looking at the major events in the life of the disciple Simon Peter. He gave up everything to follow Jesus and witness some of the most dramatic moments of Jesus' ministry, but none compares to the resurrection. Peter watched Jesus as he was on trial. He surely would have known about his guilty verdict in coming crucifixion. When Jesus was put on a cross, there is no mention of Simon Peter. Only John and some of the female followers of Jesus were brave enough to come to him as he was dying. The rest of the people who had spent years traveling with Jesus were too scared that they would be arrested or put to death themselves. That is the case when we come to Sunday morning, the third day of Jesus dead and buried in a tomb. Eric is going to read for us from the Gospel of John, where those same women who wept as they watched the death of Jesus, at least one of them is coming to his tomb. She is probably bringing spices and oils to finish preparing Jesus' body. On Friday when Jesus was crucified, they were interrupted in their work because it was the beginning of a festival. Everyone had to go home to prepare for the Sabbath. Now she returns to finish her work in properly preparing Jesus' body so that in a year's time, his bones could be collected and put in an ossuary or a bone box. Everything goes sideways, though, in an instant as she arrives at the tomb. Let's hear now the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. 
Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may we be an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. On this Easter Sunday, open our hearts to your word that the power of the resurrection might impact our lives. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. In Christ we pray. Amen. This week, children were off from school in our area, so my wife Emily and kids went out to Pennsylvania to visit with Grammy. I, on the other hand, had a few things to do, so I stayed home during Holy Week. Uh, Though the days were very busy for me, the evenings were actually very quiet. I found myself a little bored with the family away, so I did what many people do. I binged Netflix. I watched a lot of movies. Now, some people only want to watch good movies, but others of us just don't care. We'll watch all the bad ones because we know we're going to discover some gems that are in there. And I did come across some gems. I discovered that The Rock Johnson can make some really bad jokes kind of funny in The Jungle Cruise, and that metal rock can be used to tell a sweet love story. Movies and television and even music are all ways that we can discover things about ourselves and feel something come alive inside of us. One of those movies actually mentions something I had never heard of before. In a list of incredible feats of accomplishment from crossing the Bering Strait 12,000 years ago and the Mayflower from the Puritans, the character mentioned Kantiki. And I thought, what is Kantiki? I'm pretty good at history. How come I don't know that one? So I looked it up. Kantiki is the name of a raft built by a Norwegian man named Thor Heyerdahl. This was in the 1940s, and he wanted to prove to the world that it would have been possible, even before Christopher Columbus, for people from South America to sail across the Pacific Ocean. So he built his ship using materials and techniques that were available to people in South America in the 1400s. He loaded his raft up with food and water and slowly, slowly sailed across the Pacific with his little crew. Along the way, he described what's known as the three sisters phenomena, a calm, quiet ocean, and then three enormous rogue waves. These can be 20 or 30 feet high, with one recorded as high as 95 feet tall. That's a wave of water as high as a 10-story building. We don't know how big the wave was from Kantiki, but it, it soaked everything on board and messed up their radio. Uh, they continued sailing, though. They went a total of 101 days and over 4,300 miles at about one to two miles an hour. When they landed, they crashed into the reefs and were alone on a tiny island. A few days later, natives from a nearby island rowed over to them when they saw the debris from their boat. And it took several more days before they were picked up by a French ship to sail back home. Quite an adventure. 
But it sounds a little ridiculous, doesn't it? Why put yourself through all that? Why risk your life on such a dangerous trip? I imagine for many of us, it might be nice to hear about something like that, but we certainly wouldn't want to do it ourselves. We are just fine sitting at home watching the movie about it. But that's not quite satisfying either, is it? Sure, it's fine sometimes to watch others, but life can't just be about watching screens with other people on adventures. I think that's actually one of the big takeaways from COVID, isn't it? We have been in so much isolation, so cooped up, we realize again just how important it is to be connected with others. There was an article in The Atlantic recently about third spaces. That's somewhere that is not work and it's not home. It's something else, a third place where people can hang out and connect with each other. It could be a cafe, a bar, or even the library, but people seem to be using these spaces less and less. Of course, part of that is the pandemic, but this has been a trend for decades now. Public space is becoming more and more a place where you have to pay money, and meeting new people there is seen as a strange thing. You can only connect with the people that you brought with you. So now we just stay home and post photos of ourselves or watch Netflix. I know one person, his friends were all getting married and having kids, so he moved to the city and joined a runner's club. He thought that would be a good way to meet new people, but instead he found people that were really, really serious about exercise. This was not a space for conversation and socializing. It was not a third space. It was just to work out. So where can you just hang out? Where can you meet new people? How do you really live fully instead of always having to pay for some novel experience? In John chapter 20, we hear that Jesus has raised from the dead. Mary Magdalene has reported the empty tomb to Simon Peter and the other disciples. So they race over, see it for themselves, and go back home seems they're not really sure how to respond to what they've seen. Mary, though, when she comes back to the tomb, she stays and weeps. That's when Jesus appears to her. This is the first of up to a dozen resurrection appearances, depending on how you count them. Jesus tells her to go and tell the other disciples, in short order, he is going to ascend to heaven. On the walk to Emmaus, which is another resurrection story, a follower of Jesus named Cleopas and the person with him sees Jesus. At first, they didn't recognize him, even as he describes all the ways in which Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. When Jesus breaks the bread like he did during the Last Supper, though, suddenly they recognize him and Jesus uh, as, as he disappears from them. He has solid bones. Hands and feet, they can touch and walk. He eats bread and fish with them. After this, Jesus appears to the other disciples, and Thomas will hear more about that next week. But then Jesus appears to Simon Peter and the other disciples. Jesus meets with all of them in Galilee before he goes up to heaven. At this point, hundreds of people have seen him, all bearing witness that Jesus is raised from the dead. And over and over, he appears to them in these third spaces. It's in the garden, in the upper room. 
It's along the shore. It's on the road. It's on the mountaintop. All these different spaces are a place to encounter Jesus. And what good are all these encounters? Why does Jesus keep revealing himself to them over and over? He says for them to bear witness, yes, to tell the world about what they've seen and their experience with Jesus, yes. But what is the point of Jesus even coming in the first place? Why does it matter that Jesus has come to earth, died, and rose from the dead? We actually find that answer earlier in the Gospel of John. Jesus describes his entire mission in John 10.10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. With an analogy describing himself as a shepherd taking care of his flock, he continues saying, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus died so that we could have life. Each of these resurrection appearances is a reminder that death is not the end, that even the worst of circumstances is never a reason to give up. Jesus took on the worst so that we could have life in abundance. It feels like each encounter with Jesus is him nudging another person to let go of the things that hold them back, to remind them that the whole point of life is to live. Those wild adventures I mentioned earlier might sound ridiculous to some of us, but hey, at least they are living life in abundance. The last couple of years have been tough on a lot of people. Emily and I were talking about how one of our children is struggling with spelling. I have no idea myself what our boys should be able to spell and not spell, but Emily is a trained elementary age teacher, so I trust her when she says it's bad. And we decide to go to the teacher and ask about it. And the teacher says, oh no, don't worry. Every single child in his class is struggling in exactly the same way. There's something about the environment at school that when it went missing, just left a hole in their education. It could take years for them to recover from that. I have missed family gatherings and trips to travel. I've missed chances to minister to people sick in the hospital. Some of you did not get to say goodbye to loved ones. I even talked to someone in our church this week who said she has been suffering for about a year from the plague. I didn't even know that could happen. It has been a rotten and terribly difficult season for so many. But Jesus says, I have come so that you might live. Despite it all, don't miss this chance to fully live. And life in its fullness is found in the relationships we have with others. When my family returned from their trip, I was eager. Uh, don't tell anyone from the church, but I skipped out of work a little early so I could go home and see them. I gave them each big hugs and told them how much I loved them. That night, I snuggled up with my son, Davey, and he said, it's been so long since we've had a chance to be together. It was three days. <laughs> but three days is enough, isn't it? It's long enough to feel the absence of someone you love. It's long enough to remember why having people in your life is far better than not having them. I told Davey, you know, there is this phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. He hadn't heard it before, but he agreed. He thought that was true. And that absence, followed by reconnecting, it feels good. It feels like there is 
more life now, more vitality between me and my family. Three days is enough. And that's true with Jesus, too. In the many appearances of Jesus to the disciples, he tells them over and over, don't be scared, don't doubt. He walked them through the scriptures so they would understand the purpose of his ministry and then told them to go out into the world, tell everyone about Jesus because he wants you to have full life. Through Jesus, we experience the best of what life has to offer. Not because all the bad stuff goes away. Not because Jesus magically fixes all our problems, but because we are open to a world of possibilities. When death loses its power, when it no longer has a hold on you, you can finally live life to the fullest. Imagine the adventures you could have when your one goal is to live life to its fullest. You could build a boat to sail across the Pacific with your friends. You could find those third spaces and connect with others. And that's exactly what life is for, to really live. Irenaeus, one of the earliest bishops in the Christian church, said, the glory of God is humans fully alive. So when we see people living well, acting generously, mercifully, or courageously, we witness the nobility of human nature. God is revealed in us when we live life to its fullest. Let's end with this. There was a Dr. Katrina Furlick who learned a lesson about living life to its fullest when she was doing her rounds with patients suffering from neurological disorders. She says, I walked into yet another examining room, a brand new consult from out of town, 18 years old, cerebral palsy, spasticity. Okay, okay, I've seen this before. I just need to get a good history before my attending walks in. Efficiency is key. I looked at the patient for a second, very skinny, special wheelchair, arms contracted, head support in place, mouth hung open. It was clear I wasn't going to get the story from him, so I turned to the parents, my back toward the patient, and started to take down the history. When my mentor walked in, I cringed. He sat down on the examining table, the only seat left in the cramped room. After introducing himself, he surveyed the compact scene, the patient, the parents, and then focused his gaze back on the patient. After what seemed like several almost uncomfortably quiet seconds, he looked the patient in the eye and asked, so when did you graduate from high school? The young man's face lit up like I had no idea that it could. My mentor had noticed something I had missed. The patient was wearing a, a large high school ring, so large that it looked a little silly on his bony finger. His body far more than his mind had borne the brunt of the cerebral palsy. He was a proud, beaming high school graduate who used a specialized computer to help him communicate. For the remainder of the visit, I sat in the corner, dunce-like, humbled by the enormity of this ring now staring me in the face from a person who had truly lived. Too often we assume what others can do or will do. We do the same to ourselves, limiting the scope of what our lives could be or even should be. 
Christ died for that young man, and he died for that doctor and all the people in that room, and he died for me and for you. But he rose from the dead so that we might see our potential, so that we could know a world of possibility. We celebrate Easter today because Jesus shows us what it really means to live. It is life in its fullness, whatever trials may come your way. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.